the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. God says you've got to be transformed, but he says you can't do it. That is what the passive voice here indicates. You need to be transformed. It is a command, but it is almost as if he says, let God transform you as a command. Let him transform you. From Reformed Heritage Church in San Jose, this is Abounding Grace with our teacher and pastor, Gary Wagner. Welcome to the program. We are back in Romans 12, looking at verses 1 and 2 specifically, message called Transformed by the Word. There is a command to avoid something and a command to not avoid something. That's what we're looking at today. Join us for an encouraging look at Romans 12, verses 1 and 2, and what Paul is calling us to what God is calling us to through the Apostle Paul. Here's Pastor Gary Wagner with today's Abounding Grace. Mercy. Everything about Christian living comes down to mercy. We see that in verse 1. The rest of Romans and all the commands, the admonitions, the warnings, personal relationships, practical godliness, everything comes down to mercy. Since God has shown mercy, he has had compassion upon us in our weakness. He sent his son to die for us. He has forgiven us of our sins. And since God has been so merciful to us, we are to devote ourselves to him, not to pay him back, not out of a sense of guilt, but as the response of love to his love. He says in verse 1, first, Our bodies are to be a living sacrifice. That does not exclude the mind, beloved, as we'll see today. But he wants us particularly to understand there is no slicing up of life in the areas that we need to serve God and areas where we are free to do what we want. In the history of the Christian church, there has been those who believe Well, the spiritual things are what is really important, but the body and this life and education and all these things are not really that important. But Paul teaches us here that God has redeemed us in full. Therefore, our service to him is to be at the grocery store, at the town hall, in the parking lot, when we are exercising, when we are working at the high-rise corporate office, at the blue-collar outside job. Every area of life is to be dedicated to the Lord until, as Zechariah prophesied, the bells on the horse's harness have holiness to the Lord engraved upon them. He says that is a reasonable service, which introduces us to what we will look at today. 
He means by that here, we are thinking men and women, that we are to be conscious. We are to be thinking men and women in our work and in our families. And we must ask now, how can I serve God here? What does my service here need to look like? What do I need to be doing here? And then he adds in verse 2, picking up from last week, and do not be conformed to this world, following directly on the hills of mercy, devoting ourselves to God as a living sacrifice, and don't be conformed to this world. Now, I want to bring out something contextually here just for a moment. I won't spend long on it, but I think it's quite important. I'm sure if you have been a Christian for very long, Or maybe if you are not a Christian here today, you've heard preachers say, stay away from the world. So we kind of scratch our heads and ask why. Is it because I'm good, but the world is bad? That I might contract something that would make me the good one, kind of dirty? Is it guilt? Is it the fear of contracting guilt? Well, we need to serve God with fear. And the thought of sinning against him should make us sick at our stomach. But you'll notice here that whatever this is, don't be conformed to the world means the motive is mercy. The motive is what God has done for us in Jesus. Our response to that is to present, it says, a very active verb, sometimes a military verb. To present ourselves to God. That is the motive of not being conformed to the world. It's not world bad, me good. It is God has set us apart in his mercy. Look at what he has done for us. And laying all of our sins and worldliness upon the back of his son. And crucifying him for us. Therefore don't be conformed to this world. Don't forget that. When your parents tell you you've got to be different than the kids of the world, please understand. It is not to be different for difference's sake. But too often, perhaps, we think, well, we need to live alone on an island or in a monastery. Well, that's far from the point here. Well, the world is using this tool, and so we better not use it. Or blue is now out of fashion in the world, so we can wear blue. These kinds of ideas are not biblical. They're not Christian. Plus, everything we are is to be dedicated to God, and we are not to be conformed to this world on the basis of God's wondrous law for us and that he has set us apart for himself. So, in fact, not being conformed is a privilege because the consequences of being conformed to the world are deadly. The verb we, that we translate and do not be conformed has the idea in it of a scheme or a pattern. You know, the world's scheme is very simple. Sin and get away with it. Or if you can't get away with it, avoid as many of the consequences as you possibly can and pass the blame and responsibility on to others. And ultimately, if all other fails, blame God. We see in our land, this scheme is the dominant scheme. Boys can't sit still 
just give them drugs. Young people are going to fornicate, remove the consequences, just abort. We bought this house for more than we can afford. Ah, well, the government will bail us out. Like the psalm says, we go astray from the womb, speaking lies. We believe Satan's lie. And if necessary, we would burn up the whole world to hold on to the delusion, I want to be as God. I want to define good and evil for myself. This is the world's main scheme. The world's main scheme is live as you please, avoid the consequences, and if you can't, just blame God, or at least blame someone. Politicians, liberals, theologians are the leading teachers of this. Educators, once a very noble institution, are the leading purveyors of this. And sin hasn't changed much in 6,000 years. I wish I could tell you sin is new, it is novel, but there is nothing new under the sun, and particularly not sin. It's the same old lie. Do your own thing, escape the consequences, hide, blame God. Here the apostle says, we are not to think this way. He says, we are not to be conformed to this scheme, the way the world thinks. And please understand, he's not saying you can't go to the beach. He's not saying trips to the mountains are a bad thing. He's not saying spiritual things are important, but physical things are not. No, he is saying the way the world thinks, its appetites, its opinions, its priorities, its passions, we are to throw all those off. In fact, they have been thrown off. When Jesus Christ comes to us, what does he bring with him? John the Baptist preached it in one of his first sermons. He will baptize you with fire and with the Holy Ghost. So if you know the Lord Jesus and you have partaken of God's mercy, chapter 12, verse 1 of Romans, the whole foundation of everything is that there is a certain work that is ongoing in your life from the very beginning. And it is the work of Jesus who has his winnowing fork, his sifter in his hand. And what does he do? The first thing he does is he breaks the hold of sin so that we can aspire toward him and godliness. He increasingly makes our affections to be not toward sin, not toward the world, but toward him, toward godliness and toward righteousness. Now, there is an assumption that fundamentalism made that the world is out there, but the problem is, is the world is in here. And that's why we need a Savior who will purge us. It was simply a matter of the world is out there. Oh, no, well, let's just go live on an island. Let's not listen to anything the world says. Let's not have any TV, no electronics. Let's not go see a movie, plug our ears, make our children wear blinders, which, as a parent, I can very much sympathize with those things. But that all assumes that the world is out there, not in here. And that is why the apostle began with mercy, because we need purging. 
And there's only one person who can purge us, and that is the Lord Jesus Christ who comes with his winnowing fork, his refiner's fire, and he purifies us, the sons of Levi, that they may offer unto the Lord acceptable sacrifices of righteousness. That is the Savior you need. That is the Savior I need. That is the only Savior who will do us any good, and he offers himself to us today. He says, listen, I can break this scheme of the world. I can make you, instead of saying, well, that's not my fault, you did that, except that you were the one in the wrong. Have you ever known someone who is always, 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 always trying to find some way where what they did, you know, they did it, they know they did it, But it's not their fault. It's obviously somebody else's fault. Someone misunderstood me. If you would have done this differently, I wouldn't have done this. It is never, 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 never their fault. And of course, when Christ comes into our lives, he removes that vanity and that delusion. And then we are able to confess, no, it's all my fault. So remember the world's big scheme, sin, avoid the consequences. But if there are consequences, minimize them and shift the blame. The Christian says, no, I've sinned. You see this in the main lesson of the prodigal son in that parable that Jesus told. The main lesson has nothing to do with the elder son as is commonly going around in reform circles today. That is just pure silliness. The main lesson is we've got to come back to our Father's house because that is our only salvation. But we've got to be broken when we come. No demands, no blame shifting. I'm just content to take the lowest seat, Daddy. Even if I, can, even if I just have to slop the pigs, I'll be happy to be here. No demands, no excuses. That is what Jesus does to us when he comes into our lives. He makes us willing to admit it is my fault. I sinned. I did this. Yes, you may have been a contributing factor, factor, but you deal with that before the Lord. It's really my fault. So we must turn to the Lord for cleansing and for help. That is one of the main ways we are not conformed to this world. We tend to look at nonconformity as purely external. And there are, of course, with, there are this, those things, of course, with the immodesty of our culture, a clear area where there has got to be external nonconformity, and there are other, way, other areas as well. But the willingness to not conform begins here. It begins with my own heart being changed so that I appreciate God's mercy. After all, it was my filth that put Jesus on the cross. Yet God forgave me. So now he has broken this mold of worldly thinking and priorities and passions. So I don't want to gawk at my body. We don't want people to gawk at our bodies as Christian women. I don't want to be thought cool, says the Christian young man. 
I don't want to get into the competition of worldliness as Christian adults. I don't want to be conformed in any way to any of that. I've seen the light. Jesus has come into my light. And he has brought this fire with him. He has brought me into the light. And I want to walk in that light as he is in the light. I don't want the old vain ways anymore of hiding, pretending, and blame shifting. I just want to walk with him. That's the beauty of Christian nonconformity. It is when we realize that the world is in here, not primarily out there. Because keep in mind, we are part of this world, and we contribute to the good, and we contribute to the bad. God says, I'll do it. That is what the next command is. Be ye transformed. Now, this is a powerful verb, but I need to say something about its form before I proceed. Because this is a command, but in a weird kind of way. It is a passive command. Now, that may not strike you as important, but it needs to. And I'll try to explain so that it does. God says, don't be conformed to this world, but be transformed. The word there in Greek means metamorphosis. So you need to be transformed. But the problem is, it is passive which at some level seems to recognize I can't transform myself. I'm too weak. The world is too much in me, not uh, merely bikinis that you see on the beach and loud music and swearing and such. Yeah, all that's there. But those are peripheral things. The problem is in me is the desire to live as I please, think as I please, go where I want to go, do what I want to do without any consequences. Because everybody should rally around me. And if I want to do it, that simply makes it okay. God says you've got to be transformed. But he says you can't do it. That is what the passive voice here indicates. You need to be transformed. It is a command, but it is almost as if he says, let God transform you as a command. Let him transform you. Now this transformation is very critical to understand that it is not God telling you, if you clean up all the edges of your life, and you look like people did a few hundred years ago, and you dress like them, That's not what he's saying. He's saying you need to be utterly made new from the inside out. And notice here, he's talking to Christians. He's not writing this to the officials of Rome nor to the people of Rome. He is writing this to us believers. There is a definitive renewal that we have all gone through. A fundamental change. The old mold of sin is broken. We are forgiven. God gives us a new heart. But the progressive change, the progressive renewal that we call sanctification, is something each one of us must seek from the Lord. But I want you to get this. If you miss everything else today, God says, seek 
transformation, transformation from me. You must have it. You must be renewed. But seek it from me, he says. And of course, if he commands us to seek it from him, there's, he is going to give it to us. He's not a stingy God. And there's not one of us in here, however long you've been a Christian, that doesn't need to seek continual transformation and renewal to bear the image of the Lord Jesus Christ more and more in your life. But I want to stress one more time. We live in an age that craves change. But by and large, the change men crave is purely external. Because unbelievers don't recognize that the problem is in here. And as Christians, we forget that. We forget, I'm the world. The world is not other people that live down the street from me. It is me. It is my sinful thought patterns and my anger and my bitterness, my screaming, my frustration, my fear, my lust, my pride, my lies, my selfishness. That's the world's spirit, and I alone can't get it out of me. I can dress up the externals and pretend but I can't deal with the root. There is only one who can. And that is the Lord Jesus Christ by his spirit. So we are commanded to seek this transformation from him. So don't think of change primarily in terms of external things. That is what we have fallen into. You know, I'll feel better if I could just win the lottery. If my husband would buy me a new wardrobe or if I had a facelift or a tummy tuck or just some colorful tattoos. Is this going to help a sin-depressed soul get better? That would be like a man in his last will writing a provisio that every year I want a new tombstone. I want it freshened up. Well, okay. But it's not as if I will be bound to that request because that is merely your pure vanity. And we all know that you're underneath in a tomb, under that tombstone, rotting and decaying. But that is even the way we think as Christians. If I could just change something on the outside, how I look, be friendlier, be better looking, have more money, do this, do that, my children finally doing what I want them to do. No, all of this is peripheral. We're not to be conformed to the world's definition of change. We need dynamic change. We need radical change on a consistent basis. And only the Lord can do that in us. When we pray, and I hope you will, Lord, help me to not be conformed to this world. Please transform me. I know it's my duty to be transformed. But since I can't do it on my own, only you can do it for me. So I look to you. Then please, please expect for the Lord to come and touch you in areas that maybe you don't want him to expose. Maybe he'll expose idols you don't want exposed. But we, we see we can't be trans or conformed to the world. The world says, I want outward change, but don't change me. Don't touch me. I can't 
talk like this. Don't tell me I can't rule my life. But for the Christian, when we think of change, we don't think primarily of who is reigning at 1600 Pennsylvania Avenue and we need a change there. When we think of change, we think, Lord, I need you to come in and smash my idols. I need you to bring your fire into my life. Lord Jesus, I need you to bring your winnowing fork. I need you to search me and to know me and see if there's any wicked way in me and lead me in your way everlasting. Well, this has been Abounding Grace with our teacher and pastor, Gary Wagner, the ministry of Reformed Heritage Church here in San Jose. As always, it's a delight spending time with you here in God's Word. And if today's program has been especially helpful to you, we'd love to hear about it. Would you take a moment and contact us? Let us know how the program is encouraging you in Christ. It would mean a great deal to us. From time to time, we'd like to know how the program is being used by God. And that would be a great gauge for us. A quick letter or a phone call. Here's how to contact us, 408-866-5607. That's our phone number, 408-866-5607. Or you can write to us at PMB, that's PMB number 402-1484 Pollard Road. Los Gatos, California. The zip code is 95032. Again, that's PMB for post mailbox, number 402-1484 Pollard Road. Los Gatos, California, 95032 is the zip code. If you'd like to know more about Reformed Heritage Church of San Jose or Pastor Gary Wagner and Abounding Grace, you can visit our website, reformedheritage.org. That's reformedheritage.org. And leave us an email when you stop by. Let us know you paid us a visit. You're also welcome to, again, call. That phone number is 408-866-5607. If you'd like a copy of today's program, by the way, mention today's date when you contact us and we'll get a copy out to you. The cost is $5. And any amount you send above and beyond cost of resource materials will go right back into the radio program as this is a listener-supported ministry. We're able to continue our daily presence here on this station as you continue to support us financially and prayerfully. We appreciate your help in this endeavor. Thank you again. For further information, reformedheritage.org or 408-866-5607. Until next time, God bless. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.